from Revenue Rhino, I'm Brad Hammond, and this is the Lifelong Customer Podcast. Welcome to the Lifelong Customer Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Hammond, and today I have John from Mobius. John, it's really nice to have you on. Oh, thanks, Brad. Great to be here. Absolutely. I'm really excited for today's discussion. So can you tell me a bit about yourself as well as your company and what you guys are up to? Yeah, sure. I'll I'll give you the nickel tour of, of me and my career, Brad. I am a lifelong New Yorker, as I like to say, exiled by a former employee to Philadelphia about 10 years ago, where it ended up we just loved it here, so we stayed. But I got into marketing almost completely by accident. I was originally in hospitality operations, specifically for like large eatery entertainment complex type organizations for the Walt Disney Company, a company you may remember called Rainforest Cafe was also one that I worked at. And oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and so I was managing these massive multi-unit 50,000 plus square feet facilities. And I, I got recruited to do the same thing for what was called at the time the World Wrestling Federation, which is now WWE, Vince McMahon and company. And in Times Square, we launched WWF New York, which was a 50,000 square foot broadcast facility, eatery, retail facilities, an all-in-one entertainment broadcast type operation. And it was really there almost on accident that I learned marketing and uh, live television production. I happened to be standing in the right place at the right time, which in that company happened quite often with a number of people. And it came at a perfect time because operations in the food and beverage industry is incredibly time consuming. And if, you've, if you're trying to raise a family, nearly impossible. The, my ability to pivot towards marketing was timely. When I left WWE, I opened my own PR agency, Bullseye PR, that I successfully ran up until the point of acquisition for, we, that was almost 12 years. And then mm. from there have worked for various Fortune 500s, tech startups and agencies, and every position always been better than better and more entrepreneurial than the last. I love it. So, so tell me about what you're up to today. What are you guys doing and what does marketing look like where you're at today? Yeah, so Mo Mobius is, is an interesting challenge. Mobius is the company I work for now, an Atlanta-based SaaS company, and we create mobility solutions. We have a hero product called Multiline that essentially allows you to put a second secure, dedicated business phone number on any smartphone without the use of a SIM. So it's completely software-based, yet it, it delivers a tier one network quality call experience. Um, and most of our clients are in, are in highly regulated industries like banking and healthcare, but we're finding a lot of people just simply want to save money by being able to put two numbers on one phone and companies not having to actually buy thousands of phones can equate into millions of dollars a year in savings. So especially if you've got a, a workforce that swells and, you know, throughout the year, you know, a seasonal workforce. So we do that. And so right now I'm, I've been for the last two years fully immersed in B2, into uh, B2B marketing, which for me is, you know, people are always like, it's so radically different from consumer marketing. And I'm like, not really. It, it, I mean, at the end of the day, it still follows the same fundamentals. It's mostly you're influencing fewer people than you would be from a consumer standpoint. So that's what we're up to now. And I'm just having a great time. The company's on an amazing rapid growth trajectory and 
own Wall Street right now when it comes to our financial services clients, and it's just going uphill from there. I love it. It's awesome. So what's on your roadmap for 2024? What's important when it comes to marketing? What's your perspective of things and the state of everything in marketing today? Yeah, that's a great question. What I'm finding is our plan for 24 is tactically incredibly different than it was for 23. And I want to make that distinction, particularly for young marketers. I find that they have a hard time separating the idea of the strategic from the tactical, right? And I certainly did it for many years as well. I would get bogged down in tactics and lose sight of where the strategy was. Listen, at the end of the day, strategically, we all do the same things. We determine who our audience is. We determine what the best message for that particular audience is. And then lastly, and this is most importantly, lastly, we we determine how we deliver that message. And that's the tactics that I was discussing. And I would tell you this year, my tactics are radically different because every year I am spending the last quarter in evaluation mode, looking to see what worked, what didn't work, and then trying to determine what might work in the following year. And and this year is no different. And if anything else, it's more so. And when I say what worked differently, it's not necessarily because we did anything wrong. You can always do things better. But the landscape changes and the, the technology and the delivery, the, the ability to deliver your message has changed. If you just look at the past 20 years, that the tools that we have at our disposal are completely different from what they were two decades ago. Um, but also, sometimes the marketplace is more acceptive of a new tactic in a new year and less acceptive to what you might have been using in a previous year. It really comes, that particularly comes into play on the social media landscape. When you think of how rapidly things change, I mean, I remember the first time I saw TikTok, part of me was like, this will never last. (laughs) You you see what happens now. And if I were to go back to 2007, I had a similar comment when it came to Twitter. And we know where that went. Clearly, you have to you have to see where these things come into play, and you have to know when to jump on, and you also have to know when to not jump on. Like, you have to be really keep your ear to the ground because there will be some things that never really play out like you wish they would. Like, I don't know, Foursquare, for instance, just comes to mind. That's something that, no matter how much hype, was never going to live up to the hype. Absolutely. So when it comes to that, I love this perspective of. You got to keep your ear to the ground, new tactics, new strategies. Are there any that you would place a bet on and say, hey, for 2024, I think this is going to be like a really good tactic, strategy, channel to focus marketing efforts? Yeah, I, I can tell you, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you how it applies to us, which is not necessarily a universal application. What I'm about to say doesn't mean that everyone should run out and try to emulate Mobius's marketing plan but we are definitely doubling down on email marketing. Something that if you were to ask me two years ago, hey, where do you think email marketing plays a role in what you're doing? I would, I'm not even sure if I would tell you it played a role, but what we found in testing email in 23 was enormous response because Hmm. we were able to very surgically talk to the few people that we needed to talk to. On an enterprise level, we might be selling to a company that has Um, 100,000 employees, I'm really only interested in talking to five of them. And 
Those are the five decision makers specifically that relate to what we provide. So we found email marketing incredibly effective in 23, far more so than display or some of the more traditional digital tactics that we had used. So this year is certainly doubling down. Doing it in a very sensitive way, of course. I, I, while we do many multi-touch email campaigns, I'm aware as a consumer what I like to see in my inbox and what I don't like to see in my inbox. And I think that's important for marketers to apply to the, own, to the programs that they're doing. Treat others as you'd like to be treated. Absolutely. And by email, do you mean like your own newsletter or like personalized outreach or sponsoring like a third-party newsletter? Like what, what kind of specific email? Yeah, so a little of both and then some other things too. So certainly some personalized emails, right? Once we've identified a value proposition for a particular industry category and we found that it works, we'll do some personalized emails to CTOs, CISOs, heads of IT, procurement, whoever it happens to be the most receptive audience for that industry category that we're targeting. But we also have a, a very successful subscriber-based quarterly newsletter. And my team here in the US, they're all really good writers and they love to exercise that muscle. So we will do a lot of white paper writing that's industry specific and a lot of blog posting that's industry specific. And we'll often encapsulate those into email format and get those into the hands of an audience that we think would be receptive to it. I love that. That's awesome. So what, just any general advice you'd have for other marketers out there listening today, anything you're like, wow, this has been a great learning or, man, we've avoided this landmine, like any advice you have out there? of lessons I've learned over the years and blunders I've made. And, and people always say sometimes your mistakes are your, your best teachers, right? Hopefully you don't have many of them and you learn from them, of course. But having the data at hand to be able to make an educated decision. I like to say that everything we do at Mobius is 95% data-driven and 5% intuition. But that intuition is based on 25 years of experience personally. Were I starting out today, I would say make that 99% data-driven when you make those decisions and 1% intuition because you haven't developed enough intuition to even lean into 5% decision-making process yet. So that means a lot of startups particularly can't afford working with Gartner or some major data repository, but you can assemble a, a focus group or two for a couple hundred dollars worth of Starbucks gift cards and come away with some really great learnings. So you can get down and dirty in startup mode or infancy mode, or even if you just simply don't have the budget carved out for procuring the data that you wish you had. And even today, sometimes when I use third-party data to make an educated decision, I'll pressure test it with a real homegrown type uh, focus group. We're, we're working, in fact, in the education space with some great success lately. But before I did, rather than go in with assumptions like, oh, it works for these guys, so maybe it'll work for teachers and administrators, we put together several focus groups of teachers and administrators. And we the data we got back was so incredibly valuable because I could go, okay, last week's group said this week's group said this, here's the commonality, here's a couple things that were a little bit different. Let's do one more and see what that looks like. Coming out of that with some semi-anecdotal 
evidence to be able to pressure test against the data evidence was that that was so valuable for us. So I recommend anybody do that and don't feel like even if you have to get together six people, you know, that happen to be in whatever your target industry is, go for it. I love that. So is there anything related to that, but is there anything that you wish you would have known like early on in your career? If you could go back and tell your younger self a piece of advice, what would that be? I would have sought out mentors earlier than I think I did in the marketing space. A lot of what I remember, I coming from an operations background, biz, running a business came pretty naturally to me and I sponged up everything I saw, but pivoting from operations to marketing, I probably should have had some more marketing mentors that could guide me along the way. I had to bumble my way along and make some pretty pretty big errors before I landed on some of the things that we've talked about so far here today. So I would say early on in college, start looking at people you admire. Be surprised how many people reach out to me, young people in school and say, hey, I'm looking for mentors. I know you don't have much time. Do you think maybe once a month we could have 15 minutes? And there's two or two or three people that that I do that with now. For me, it's incredibly rewarding. And, and I'd like to think that down the road, that'll be things they'll remember. I love that. That's a great point. So go get a mentor out there. Awesome. As we're wrapping up the episode today, any last remaining wisdom, anything we didn't touch on that is top of mind for you or closing remarks or anything? One thing I, what, one thing I would say is if there's one thing you need to remain as a marketer today in the fast paced technological world we live in, it's remain nimble and open to quick change. Things change so quickly, the markets change, the technology changes, the tools we have at hand improve or sometimes become obsolete. Don't be afraid to take your plan that you're certain is the 2024 plan for success and break it into a couple chunks, like the first half, second half, and evaluate that more often than you might have before. And I think if you do that, you'll be open to making the tweaks that'll bring you to the success you're looking for. I love that. John, it's been amazing to have you on. Thanks so much for joining today and uh, sharing all your wisdom and insights. Much appreciated. Thanks, Brad. Great being here. Absolutely.